Proverbs chapter number eight. Proverbs chapter number eight. By the way, thank you for your generous giving for the love offering for the missionaries. We were able to give them each a, a, just a healthy uh, love offering showing our appreciation for them coming and that was due to your uh, generosity and uh, we thank the Lord for that. Uh, it's always a blessing to be able to be a blessing. Proverbs chapter 8. Uh, these first nine chapters of Proverbs are focused on the topic of wisdom. The last several chapters, chapters 4, 5, 6, and 7, predominantly are chapters of warning regarding sin, wickedness, immorality, if you don't show wisdom. Chapter 8 sort of turns the corner, and rather than focusing on the dangers of sin, it is more focusing on the blessing of God's wisdom. But as you read through the chapter, you see, as we saw in chapter number two, or you would see if you read it, the personification of wisdom, and I would agree with most commentators that in the end of chapter eight here, it's really identifying with the Lord Jesus Christ, who is wisdom. First Corinthians 1.30 says, but of him are ye in Christ Jesus, who of God is made unto us wisdom and righteousness and sanctification and redemption. So Christ, sort of tying this in with Sunday night's message, the more we grow in that relationship with Christ, the more we don't have some intangible characteristic that we're adding to ourselves, but the more that we walk in Christ and live for Christ and he lives through us, we are demonstrating what he is, which is wisdom. And on that topic, A.J. Ironside said in his commentary, quote, as wisdom incarnate is to be found in our Lord Jesus Christ, the living word, so are the instructions of wisdom to be found in his written word. And so the more we study the word, the more we allow the word of God to impact us, change us, we're conformed, transformed by the renewing of our minds, the more we are living out wisdom. It's not some intangible that you gather, put in your pocket, and leave behind, but it is really the life of Christ. Now, for sake of time, we don't have time to go through every verse, but we're going to read the first 12 verses, and I just entitled it, The Ways of Wisdom. The Bible says, Doth not wisdom cry, and understanding put forth her voice? She standeth in the top of high places by the way in the places of the paths. She crieth at the gates, at the entry of the city, at the coming in at the doors. Unto you, O men, I call, and my voice is to the sons of man. O ye simple, understand wisdom, and ye fools be ye of an understanding heart. Hear. For I will speak of excellent things, and the opening of my lips shall be right things. For my mouth shall speak truth, and wickedness is, and wickedness is an abomination to my lips. All the words of my mouth are in righteousness. There is nothing froward, which means twisted or perverted. There is nothing froward. 
lost my place. What verse was I in? My mouth supposed to be truth. Verse 8, there we go. There's nothing froward or perverse in them. Thank you. I've got short-term memory loss. They are all plain to him that understandeth and right to them that find knowledge. Receive my instruction and not silver and knowledge rather than choice gold. For wisdom is better than rubies and all the things that may be desired are not to be compared to it. I, wisdom, dwell with prudence and find out knowledge of witty inventions. Now, we didn't go on and read it, but I want you to notice a couple of promises God made here in the writing. Look down at verse 17. I love them that love me. Now, this is wisdom speaking, the Lord Jesus Christ speaking. I love them that love me, and those that seek me early shall find me. It's not talking about early in the day, but early in life. You know, that's why it's so important for our children to get a Christ-based, Bible-based education, and we encourage them in the things of God that they seek the Lord early in life. Look down at verse 20. I lead the righteousness against speaking. I lead in the way of right, I mean wisdom speaking. I lead in the way of righteousness in the midst of the paths of judgment that I may cause those that love me to inherit substance and I will fill their treasures. So just a, it's just a wonderful chapter. I would encourage you to read it every day for a few days and soak in it a little bit. But notice, first of all, we see wisdom's call. Verse 1 through 5, he says, Doth not wisdom cry? And I would answer, yes, it does. It's repeatedly uh, speaking to us of how wisdom is calling out to us. Uh, keep your finger here. Look back in Proverbs chapter number 1. Proverbs 1 and verse number 20. Proverbs 1.20 says, Wisdom crieth without. She uttereth her voice in the streets. She crieth in the chief place of concourse, in the openings of the gates. In the city she uttereth her words, saying, How long, ye simple ones, will ye love simplicity? And the scorners delight in their scorning, and fools hate knowledge. Turn you at my reproof. Behold, I will pour out my spirit unto you. I will make known my words unto you. Because I have called and ye refused. I have stretched out my hand and no man regarded. And it goes on through the rest of the chapter talking about wisdom's rebuke and wisdom's call. So there's a question here. Doth not wisdom cry? And we would say, yes, it does. And notice the sort of the parallel words here, wisdom crying and understanding put forth her voice. So we see a question, first of all. Secondly, we see a location. Beginning in verse 2, verses 2 and 3, it tells us where she cries. She standeth at the top of the high places, by the ways and the places of the paths. She crieth at the gates, at the entry of the city, at the coming at the doors. So it speaks of high places in the places of the paths, and specifically the paths and at the gates. And all four of them, it's not just poetic repetition. High places, logic, you, you would understand. What do you, 
Where do you put a radio tower? High above so the waves can broadcast out. Why do we elevate a platform? So the sound waves can come out. So it's talking about in an elevated place and a place where it can be heard is really the idea. Uh, in the places of the paths, verse 2 goes on to talk about. Literally, it's talking about crossroads. Well, what do you have at crossroads? Well, you have a lot of traffic, of course. There's a lot of people, but you have to make decisions. Have you ever been in an unfamiliar place and you were like, do I go right, left, right, left? You make your choice and then you hit yourself if you're like me and say, I should have gone the other one. <laughs> you know, it, it's a time of decision at the crossroads. And the words there, the paths, is a, a reference to our life journey. All through life, you're going to have to make decisions. All through life, I'm going to have to make decisions. And for those decisions, we need to be listening to wisdom. We need to hear God's clear direction. We need to be sensitive to his leadership. And then in verse number three, it talks about at the gates. Well, in Bible times, all business took place at the gates. If we were to go to Israel, as some of you have made that trip, and you go north to the city of Dan, there is actually, you can see how, where the city walls were, and as you come up to the gate of Dan, it sort of goes back and forth, and then you come to where the actual entrance to the city is, and there's an elevated place. You couldn't just walk into a city. Cities were secure within themselves, and so you would request the person you were doing business with, they would come out. The government authority would be sitting there. It was the place where commerce, again, busyness, life decisions are being made. And, and all that is being communicated to us here is not only are there specific locations and times of life where we need to be in the right place, etc., but it's speaking to the public calling of wisdom. You know, you can't always disappear into a prayer closet and pray. Although sometimes that wouldn't be a bad idea. But in the activities of life, we need to be listening to the voice of wisdom that we are where God wants us to be. We're making the choices and the, and, and the decisions at the time God wants us to make them. So we see the location, the question, does wisdom cry? Yes, it does. Where does wisdom cry? All through life. And then verses 4 and 5 talks about the audience. Notice once again, unto you, O men, notice the different people groups, unto you, O men, I call, and my voice is to the sons of man, literally the sons of Adam. Verse 5, O ye simple, understand wisdom, and ye fools, be ye of an understanding heart. So four groups of people again. They're men, sons of men, the simple, and fools. Now, men, I personally, now this is, you know, it's not clearly spelled out here, but I think based on the flow of the Proverbs and how chapters 5, 6, and 7 have been warning a father speaking to his son, warning about not giving in to the temptation to sin and, and in moral uh, areas. Now, I would think that that would be a great 
uh, connection there. Sons of Man broadens it out to all of us, all the children of Adam. By the way, folks, we're all of one blood. You know that, right? Uh, we're, all, we're all the same. Skin colors can be different. Language groups can be different. Uh, our preferences about temperatures can be different, but we're all the same. And uh, we are, you're all related too, by the way. Better be nice. <laughs> you know, and, and, and that, that's sort of the broad brush term there. So he, he's speaking to everyone, but then he speaks on two sp uh, specific groups. The simple. This is not a negative term as far as, you know, somebody who is developmentally slow or uh, their IQ is not. No, the word simple essentially means naive, inexperienced, lacking maturity. Uh, they're, they're simple. And, you know, what do the simple do? They make mistakes. What does the Bible say about child rearing? Foolishness is bound in the heart of a child. If you don't expect your kids to mess up and you got to train them, you don't understand humanity. They are going to do that. They're simple sometimes. They, they don't know. You know, if you don't think that's true, watch some of our teenagers learn to drive. They, they don't always make good judgments. They don't always make good decisions. They've got to learn. They've got to get some experience, right? And you've got to pray through that if you're the parent. But that's as simple. There are simple believers too. They could be new Christians. And they don't have maturity. They, maturity. they don't have discernment. Often in the, in the book of Proverbs, the word fool is a very negative term. It's talking about willful, stubborn, uh, irresponsible, even cocky hard-headed, that, that would be quite often the use of the word fool, but in this context, it, it more than likely, it is just somebody who's foolish regarding temptation. They're not understanding how dangerous, how serious it is. I, by the way, I told one in my class today, you know, if you've not figured it out that this world is trying to brainwash your children into believing that which is wrong is right, you're not paying attention. And if you let them watch things on television without your knowing what they're watching, you are not being very wise. I just read an article this week, four different ways or four different avenues the world is indoctrinating children. The, the pastor, he said, uh, you know, my kids were watching some cartoon. I've heard of it. I've never watched it. I'm sorry. I've not gone investigating. It's called Arthur. I guess it's, you know, something out there. Maybe your kids have seen it. He said, I, I knew my child was watching that, and I heard a wedding march, so I tuned in to watch, and it was two male characters getting married, even in a cartoon. If you don't believe that's purposeful, friend, you don't understand the devil is looking to destroy. And we can be foolish regarding that because we're careless rather than tuned in, but we need to be tuned in. So we see wisdom's call. But secondly, we see wisdom's content. By the way, just to conclude that thought, the point of that, those first five verses is that we all have to pay attention. We all have to seek wisdom. 
whether we're young and inexperienced, whether we're older and more experienced, whether we, we can get cold and hard-hearted, we need to be tuned in because we desperately need God's wisdom. But then secondly, he talks about wisdom's content. So verse number one, does wisdom cry? Yes, it does. Notice verse six here. Now, just because wisdom is calling doesn't mean that we're listening, does it? And just because we hear it doesn't mean we are receiving it either. There's a process that goes here. So notice what he says. Hear, for I will speak of excellent things, and the opening of my lips shall be right things. For my mouth shall speak truth, and wickedness is an abomination to my lips. All the words of my mouth are in righteousness. There is nothing froward or perverse in them. They are all plain to him that understandeth and right to them that find knowledge. So again, wisdom is speaking. It's personified here. And what is wisdom communicating to us? What is the content of wisdom's cry? Excellent things, right things, true things, and righteous things. Let's think about those four rather quickly. Excellent things. It's a form of a word translated other places as a military leader or chief or governor. The idea is that these words are to be submitted to. There's authority. There's weight to them. You know, we don't have to respect the person, but their rank gives authority to what they're saying. But then you take it to what it says, excellent things. What can be more excellent than what God says to us? Chapter 2, verse 6 says, The Lord giveth wisdom. Out of his mouth cometh the knowledge and understanding. He layeth up sound wisdom for the righteous. He is a buckler to them that walk uprightly. So wisdom speaks to us excellent things. That means they're not to be debated, they're not to be considered, they're not to be weighed, they are to be obeyed. Why? Because the source we know is trustworthy. We know the source is true, it's accurate, it's the best. So it's excellent things, right things. This word means integrity, uprightness. Folks, we never have to wonder or worry about God's wisdom leading us astray. God's wisdom will always lead us to do the right thing, whether or not we understand it and see it. God's wisdom will always help us to be where God wants us to be, doing what God wants us to do. Why? Because it's right. It's right. Thirdly, true things. Not in contrast to falsehood, in its face, it's talking about the, the reliability or the accuracy or the dependability of what God says. Wisdom is always based on truth. So God's wisdom is based on God's truth. And he goes on to say about wickedness is, not, is an abomination to my lips. Uh, of course, God 
would have nothing to do with that which is untoward or would lead astray. And then righteous things. Things that are helpful, that are healing in their intent. And this righteousness is not measured against another man. Well, I'm more righteous than them. Because comparing ourselves amongst ourselves, we're not wise. It is, it is contrasted or compared to God's righteousness. It is always right. It is always true. It is always uh, helpful and healing. I, I shared this verse at the beginning in the in introduction, 1 Corinthians 1.30. But of him are ye in Christ Jesus, who of God is made unto us wisdom righteousness and sanctification and redemption which means that there'll be nothing that is twisted perverted incorrect or misleading that is given to us in god's message so then notice thirdly verses 10 through 12. i said wisdom is declared wisdom is heard but it has to be received Verse 10, receive my instruction and not silver, and knowledge rather than choice gold. For wisdom is better than rubies, and all the things that may be desired are not to be compared to it. I, wisdom, dwell with prudence and find out knowledge of witty inventions. Why does wisdom need to be received? Why is it in our best interest to receive wisdom? Because he said it's better than silver or gold. Now that comparison is because mankind forever has valued these metals because they do have intrinsic value. And so regularly throughout the Proverbs, there's a comparison, Proverbs 2. If thou seekest her wisdom as silver and searchest for her as for hid treasures. I've used the illustration. If I buried $10,000 on this property and told you one service, hey, whoever finds it gets it, I promise you. It looked like we had the attack of the gigantic space moles, you know, tearing up the property. Isn't it interesting what man will do for money? And God says, if you only cared about my wisdom as much as you cared about stuff that you're going to have to leave behind, your life would be so blessed. And you would have true values. And he uses two comparisons here. It's better than silver or gold. Uh, Psalm 19.10 says, The fear of the Lord is clinging, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold. Yea, than much fine gold, sweeter also than honey in the honeycomb. But then he goes on to verse 11, says it's better than rubies and fine jewels. Now, I'm not much of a guy for gems, but I don't know any lady who doesn't like receiving real jewelry with real gems, you know. It, it just has a special value. We see a girl get engaged and, you know, she's flashing that 
ring around that left hand. She wants everybody to catch the shine off that diamond or zirconia or whatever it is. But God says there is absolutely nothing that you desire that you should desire more than his wisdom. Notice the end of verse 11. And all the things that may be desired are not to be compared to it. He said there's just no comparison. There is no comparison. You, you name what is most valuable to you. Whatever it is. Doesn't matter. It falls off the table and has no value in comparison with God's wisdom. And then he goes on to say in verse 12, I wisdom dwell with prudence and find out knowledge of witty inventions. Ephesians 1.8 says, Wherein he hath abounded toward us in all wisdom and prudence, having made known unto us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he hath purposed in himself. So once again, identified in Christ is wisdom and prudence. What's prudence? Prudence is discernment, forethought, foresight. Being able to see things, you know, yet to come. See how things are going. Oh, you know what? This is not a good direct. This is not a good. This is, this is God's way. This is the way God wants us to go. Prudence. And God combines wisdom with prudence. One guy said that they're roommates. Where you find one, you find the other. Wisdom and prudence are wed together. And witty inventions. That, this is a word that it comes from one Hebrew word. What it basically means is discretion. So on the negative side, witty inventions would be people trying to create a trap, to trip you up, to, to get you to do something wrong, etc., etc., but it, what it says is wisdom uncovers and defeats those plots against us. There's, when I worked at a American Steel Founders, I think I told you, there, you know, that's a crusty lot to work second shift in that kind of an environment. And, you know, I knew that there were certain places not to go in the shop because they had, you know, this treasure trove of pornography. And I knew where they used to go to get their alcohol. One night I was sitting out on a break, a really hot night, and that shop was extremely hot in the summertime. Sitting out there in pitch blackness, you know, I worked three to 11, and the guy comes up to the chain link fence. He said, here, take this. He had this package in a grocery bag, and the States have paper bags more. Here, take this, and tell Larry Williams it's, it's out here. I said, well, what's in there? He said, it doesn't matter what's in there. Just take it and give it to Larry. I said, I'm not touching it until you tell me what's in there. It's Larry's booze. Come on, take it. I said, nope, not me. He called me everything but a nice guy. Well, you know, sometimes you get those guys irritated at you and they want to set you up. So I came back from break one night, this sometime after that, and I was the, not the operator, I was the heater. We were... We made hot wound coil springs that were as big as I am, sometimes made out of three and three eighths inch steel. So you can imagine as that thing's being wrapped into a coil, there's a taper end that just keeps rotating. And my job was to put a big T-bar on that end and send it in straight. And I, I literally am not kidding when I tell you 
the torque on that twist, even though it was heated to 1,800 degrees, I had to set that bar on my shoulder and it was all I could do to get it into the machine straight without it causing me to buckle. But we only had to do three or four of those an hour, so I sat down and one of those guys had set up my area with all this pornography. And they were watching. What did I do? I grabbed it and threw it in the furnace. I thought that was a good place for it. Then they were really upset because I burned up their stuff. Well, you don't, you don't try and trip me up, and we're, you know. But, you know, God, I don't know why I did that. It's not like I thought back, you know, if this ever happened. No, I had to react in the moment, and thankfully I reacted properly to honor the Lord. Now, and all I'm saying is we never know what's coming around the next corner. We never know what we're going to face. And we need God's wisdom to guard us in those times. Then we're going to go to the very end of the chapter. We're out of time, and I'll just wrap it up with a culmination of wisdom. Look down at verse 32. Now, therefore, hearken unto me, O ye children, for blessed are they that keep my ways. Hear instruction, and be wise, and refuse it not. Blessed is the man that heareth me, watching daily at my gates, waiting at the posts of my doors. For whoso findeth me findeth life, and shall obtain favor of the Lord. But he that sinneth against me wrongeth his own soul. All they that hate me love death. That word blessed there, blessed are they that keep my ways. It's a Hebrew word, easily translated happy, but it's a it really is a very broad word, a very comprehensive word of total well-being. The well-being of being right with God, operating in his wisdom and having the joy of the Lord as our strength. Look back at chapter 3. Proverbs 3, verse 13. Happy is the man that findeth wisdom, and the man that getteth understanding for the merchandise of it is better than the merchandise of silver and the gain thereof than fine gold. So we see God's blessing, God's full comprehension, not just a momentary, whoo, that was fun, but I mean the full comprehensive uh, knowledge of God uh, directly blessing and guiding and providing for our lives. So we see that in these final instructions. Verse 32, hear instruction and be wise. Don't be stubborn. Don't hang on to your own ways. You know what? It takes a real mature person to admit, I wasn't right. God is right. Just because I've always felt this way or thought this way or wanted it to be this way, it, it takes a spiritually mature person say, you know what, I'm wrong, God's right. Hear instruction, be wise, don't refuse it. Number two, not just hear, but keep God's ways. Blessed is the man that heareth me and watching daily at my gates and waiting at the posts of my doors. The idea there at the end uh, verse 32, I'm, I'm, I got ahead of myself there. They that keep my ways. 
the word there means to celebrate or to retain or to perform. You never go wrong obeying God's word. Then verse 34, we're to hear, we're to watch daily and wait. The idea there is like being at the city waiting for the king to come forward, waiting for the pronouncement, always being at the ready, not missing an opportunity to hear and obey. And then it closes in verse 35 and 36 with a comparison of life and death. Wisdom yields life, God's favor, a fulfilling life, a God-blessed life, God's favor, his goodwill, his pleasure. But to reject God's wisdom, all they that hate me love as I did this study, it just kept reminding me of 1 Corinthians 8 and 9 that we looked at a few weeks ago about missions. Yeah, you don't have to do that, but you're wise. When we go God's way, we're wise, and God blesses that, and we have this full comprehension of God's blessing on our lives. You know, it's a wonderful thing to be able to walk in God's wisdom. How do we do that? Walk with Christ, for he is our wisdom and righteousness and redemption.